It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. Thank you for being a part of it. It is the Virtual Bible Study for May 22nd, 2008. We're live on this Thursday night and we're ready for your participation at 877-381-4567 or over email questions at collegeview.com. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, joins me tonight. Hello, Dad. Jacob, always good to be with you on Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. We look forward to it, and we already have a number of people logged on and listening. We hope we'll get participation from all of you out there. We'd like to hear from you tonight. We would. And let's go ahead and start at the beginning of the program, Dad. We don't mention often enough who brings uh, this program, who uh, presents this program on a weekly basis. Let's talk about the, the College U Church of Christ for just a minute for our listeners who may be new, uh, giving them an idea of what the College U Church of Christ is all about. Jacob, we're in Columbia, Tennessee, of course. Uh, easy to find location for anybody in the Middle Tennessee area. You ought to be able to find us easily. We're called the College View Church of Christ because we're immediately across the highway from the, com- the Columbia State Community College. It's a well-known landmark in our area. So if you're listening in the com- Columbia area, we'd love to have you come and visit with us anytime. You can find the times of our services there on the website. But we get a lot of listeners from far away places, and we're grateful for all of you who might be listening at distant places, unable to visit with us. And you can find a lot of information on our website. We've got some recorded sermons there. We've got a lot of archived copies of our church bulletin with articles of various sorts. And, Jacob, there there are archives of every one of the virtual Bible studies that we've ever done. We're coming up on three years now of doing this program on the Internet. And, and if you do a simple search on the archive page, it's a pretty useful tool there. Uh, and I imagine most of our listeners know how to do that. If you go to the archive page and then you use Control-F on your keyboard, it'll that, it'll bring up a search window. You can type in a keyword and see if we've ever done a program on that. You can find it there. But the College View Church of Christ is very much about uh, studying, learning, and following the Word of God. We're trying to be a church just like the church you read about in the pages of your New Testament. Uh, we don't claim perfection in that, but that is our goal. That's our ambition. And we're striving hard to do that, Jacob. All right. So find out more about us at our website, collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you have any questions about what we believe or practice, feel free to email us or call us anytime. We'd love to hear from you. We have an interesting program planned for tonight, Dad, as we talk about the church. We have a question before us tonight. What are we looking for in a church? When we go to find a church to be a part of, what are we looking for? What are some characteristics we should be looking for? One of our regular listeners, Mike, in Cullioca, Tennessee, suggested this might be a worthy topic. I think he's right. He said, you know, even when he's traveling, he he is wondering about how to find a, a congregation where he ought to even visit when he's traveling uh, on vacation or on various trips and so forth. Uh, we kind of expanded that thought. You know, you move into a new community. And you're looking for a church or maybe you've not been, maybe you've been living here for a long time, but you think, you know, I really need to be, I need to be pursuing religious activities. 
it's a pretty confusing thing. I, I'm I'm sympathetic with people who look around and and find it very confusing in the religious world. What should I look for in a church? How do I choose among all these different religious organizations out here? Is one just as good as another? Is What things should I be looking for? So I think that's a, a thing worth our consideration, and we're going to spend our hour tonight uh, in that theme. What should we be looking for in a church? Yeah, you know, we talk about when we're traveling where we should uh, worship, uh, finding a church to worship when we travel. That's important. We don't want we want to have a good worship, and we don't want to be involved with a group who's doing unscriptural things. But more important, more significant is what kind of church am I going to be a part of on a full time basis? And we want to look at those characteristics tonight. You asked two questions today on your email update. To let us know what those questions are. All right. Earlier today, we always do this on Thursday afternoon. And if you're not on our email list and you want to be, you can sure send us a, an email and we'll get you on our weekly email update list. Usually on Thursday afternoon, I send out a couple of questions to start getting feedback for the program. Uh, if you want to be on that email list, just send us a message to questions at collegeview.com. And then just put in the subject line, add me to your email list. And remember, College View is spelled a little bit funny, C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E. On the end, it's V-U-E, collegeview.com. Send us an email question uh, and just put in the subject line, uh, add me to your email list. Today, our update questions were these. From your observations and experience, what are the top three wrong things that people typically look for in a church? What are the wrong things? People are making choices. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people are making bad choices. They're looking for the wrong kind of things in a church. What do you think is the, the what do you think are the three biggest mistakes in regards to what people are looking for? And then number two, what should people really be looking for? What should they be looking for in a church? So we're going to talk about the negative and the positive. Jacob, uh, I thought we'd start out with that negative thing. What what are the three big mistakes? What are the wrong things that people are looking for when they look for a church? And I, I thought it was interesting that uh, all of the feedback we've gotten so far uh, primarily includes at least one. All of them saw one thing that is a mistaken priority of a lot of people, and that is entertainment. We got an email from Jake in Finland. Uh, we haven't heard from Jake in a while. Jake, we're glad that you're uh, able to listen and participate with us on the virtual Bible study. Jake's been listening. Did you see a side note to you there at the at the end of his email there on the next page? So Jake has been listening. Oh, yeah. He yeah, says just we, not participate. Thank yeah. you, Jake, for listening. Yeah, thanks, Jake, for listening uh, over in Finland, way across yeah, the ocean. Thanks for those comments tonight. Yeah, and he says entertainment, entertainment activities, retreats, and so on. He mentions that. Then Randy in Jackson, Missouri says people are looking for how entertaining the church services are, programs that seem appealing, how well the principal, how, how that well they like the principal speaker. Uh, Anthony says, entertaining worship style, extracurricular activities and programs, the come-as-you-are mentality. People like to be entertained. They mistakenly think that they are the focus of the worship rather than God. Also, people seem to be looking not really for a spiritual family, but for a social club where they can get financial counseling, fitness advice, and daycare. The focus of the church should be on spiritual things. And then he goes on to say, lastly, people don't want to change. They want to be accepted for who they are, sins and all. Of course, we know that's not acceptable to God, Colossians 3, 5 through 10, and many other passages. But And we may want to talk more about that come-as-you-are thing in a minute, Jacob, but, he, uh, but Anthony mentions entertainment as well. 
Jim and Sue in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, say they want worship to be enjoyable. Speaking of what people look for in a church, do something to them instead of thinking that worship is what we offer unto the Lord. So they see the entertainment thing as well. And then also Stephen in Pennsylvania writes, uh, people are, he just uses the word entertainment. They're looking for entertainment. And so that is a common thread in a, in a lot of the emails we've gotten so far. And everybody is seeing that that's a mistake to be looking for entertainment. But, you know, Jacob, as you observe the advertising of many religious groups, that's the emphasis. You know, they've got all kinds of activities for the members, a special emphasis made on entertaining activities for the young people. Uh, but that's not biblical. We can't find that in the scriptures, and we don't see that that was the emphasis of the churches in the New Testament. For instance, can you imagine, well, while it's, it's, uh, not uncommon to, for, for religious groups to offer softball, basketball, craft classes, plays, puppet shows, all kinds of entertainment. Can you imagine a first century church having had those kinds of things going on. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul, for instance, being in charge of organizing an outing for the young people to Six Flags over Antioch or something like that? <laughs> uh, it, it, it's just so contrary to, to the picture of the church and its work and its activities that we read about in the New Testament. I'm trying to think about what kind of rides they might have had at that uh, Six Flags, uh, some kind of chariot, screaming chariot, I think. Maybe uh, so. But you, you, uh, you know, Dad, we're not trying to be fuddy-duddies. Um, and uh, we don't. It's not that we don't like to be entertained, that we don't like having a good time with other people. But what we're talking about, Dad, is doing things in Bible ways. You talked about that at the beginning of the program. That we've got to go to the Bible for all that we do. And the Bible tells us that as a as a church, as a congregation, our focus should be on spiritual things because those are the most important things. Those are the only enduring things. And so, putting the focus here on this earthly, physical, uh, carnal uh, things is really a selfish focus, selfish motivation. We ought to be focused on spiritual things, on God, on serving Him. Well, I think you're exactly right. It is a wrong focus. It's it's more on, uh, uh, and, and Anthony mentioned this, people mistakenly think that they are the focus of worship rather than God. We're, it's, it's about serving God, not about serving us. It's not about what we like. It's about what God likes. But the bottom line here, Jacob, is these those kind of things just simply aren't authorized. In Colossians 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. If we're going to have softball leagues and basketball leagues and craft classes and outings and retreats and trips to Six Flags, all sponsored and and financed and organized through the auspices of the church, we better be able to put our finger on a book, chapter, and verse that says that's the kind of things the church is authorized to be doing, and I can't find that. It's not there. Exactly right. We've got to be doing all things uh, in the name of uh, the Lord Jesus, and if we can't have authority, we can't do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, so we need to find the biblical teaching that tell, would tell us that the church should be engaged in entertainment activities. Dad, we've got to be focused on, on God, on serving Him, and I'm afraid, though, that people mistake service to god by the way that they feel a lot of people i'm afraid think if they feel good about something then it's okay if they're uh if they feel that um what they're doing is right uh, if they feel uh happy or fulfilled at the end of it then it must be okay and so we go to these entertaining worship services and we get worked up and we feel happy at the end of the worship service therefore we feel that god would be okay with it and god would approve of it well that's of course a 
a faulty standard. Uh, the standard that we're supposed to be operating on, uh, John chapter 12, verse 48, is the Word of God. And our feelings and our emotions, now I'm not, I'm not saying that we should not be emotional about our worship, but the emotions should come as a product of having done what the Bible says. They, in other words, emotions should be the byproduct of obedience. Emotions should not be the standard by which we judge whether this is right or not. I think people have those reversed. Exactly right. You know, a good example of that is in Acts chapter 8 when the Philippian, or the, excuse me, Ethiopian eunuch was converted. He was taught the truth and he was obedient to it. And as a result of that, then the emotion of rejoicing comes in after he was baptized. It says, when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing, Acts 8, 39. There was emotion in that story, but the emotion was the product of what had taken place. It was not that which produced uh, the, the salvation in this man. His, his emotions were not the determining factor of whether or not this was right or wrong. The the determining factor was what was taught and what did he do and was it right. And so I think we've we've got got the cart before the horse and we're going about it the wrong way when we think that entertainment and feeling good about it is the standard by which we judge whether a church is right or not. That's that's simply not the case. Our respondents on our email so far uh, have pretty much unanimously agreed about that. Actually, I only know of one place in the New Testament where we find a church that was sort of engaged in secular entertainment kind of activity for its members, and that was the Church of Corinth. The Church of Corinth had all kinds of trouble. There were all kinds of problems in the Church of Corinth, and the first epistle deals with many of those things. One of them was that they had even corrupted the Lord's Supper and had turned it into a sort of a common meal, a feast, and a raucous one at that and the Apostle Paul in the last half of 1 Corinthians 11 plainly condemns them for that. Uh, and, and he says, um, uh, verse 20, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 20, you come together into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. It should have been, but it wasn't. And, and he talks about their abuses, and he says, shall I praise you in this? I praise you not, verse 22. Verse 34 is the key. He says, if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together into condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. Paul said, you know, Paul didn't condemn them eating common meals, but he said those don't belong under the auspices of the church and its work. That's a function of the home, and it should be kept there. It's not wrong to have parties. It's not wrong to go to Six Flags. It's not wrong to play ball games. But that's not the work of the church. The church is not authorized to be in that business. We can do that as individuals and as a function of our home, but it's not to be brought into the church. And Paul straightly condemned the church at Corinth for having tried to do something of that nature. I don't know how churches today get around the plain statement there in 1 Corinthians 11, if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together into condemnation. I think that's really a plain statement. All right. We need to go to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue to take your thoughts on the program tonight, 877 Three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeview.com. Let us know your thoughts. Use the phone tonight. Give us a call and participate in the program. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. We've got a few questions for you. Well, just a few questions about the virtual Bible study. 
First of all, do you think people can be expected to listen to the virtual Bible study every Thursday night? I think it's perfectly reasonable. Well, uh, what would you say to someone who slipped up and forgot to listen to the virtual Bible study? Just don't do it again. What's the general reaction that you're hearing about the virtual Bible study? Everybody loves you and so do I. And we'd like to ask, can you expect to hear informative subjects discussed each and every week on the virtual Bible study? There's no question in my mind. Well, there you have it. People are listening to the virtual Bible study. Make your plans to be here every Thursday night and tell others. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the virtual Bible study. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study. Thank you again for being a part of it. And please, if you haven't already, send your comments or call in with your comments on the program tonight. What are we looking for in the church? What should we not be looking for? And what should we be looking for as we try to decide what church we want to be a part of on the program tonight? We've got an email from Patrick that's just come in, and he includes what we've just been talking about, Jacob. He mentions entertainment as one of the mistaken priorities that people look for in a church being entertained so i think a lot of people see that unfortunately the majority of people in the religious world are really going for that that's what they're interested in but those who seriously consider it realize that that is not something that the church should be offering and it's a mistake to be looking for that when you're seeking a church that you should be a part of so that's our first point All right. Patrick goes on in his email there. He says, preachers that teach what they want to hear rather than the truth. Uh, Patrick uh, mentions that uh, the teaching is watered down in many churches, and we shouldn't want to be a part of a church like that. Jake says that uh, people look for teaching that is easy on their ears and doesn't call them to do things that they aren't doing already. Uh, Randy uh, uh, mentions here uh, how well they like the principal speaking pastor. Um, Anthony had mentioned, we already read this, but Anthony mentioned people don't want to change. They want to be accepted for who they are, sins and all. So that's that's along the same lines of having your ears tickled, uh, hearing, uh, going looking for a church that will tell you what you want to hear. Back on Randy's, uh, I just want to challenge Randy quickly on uh, his point there. He mentioned uh, the speaking pastor. I think he's talking about the evangelist there. I, I, I'd like, Randy, just, just to find somewhere in the Bible where an evangelist was called a pastor. Peter uh, was both a pastor and an evangelist, but I'm afraid that there may be some terminology that's twisted up there. Yeah, yeah, you might want to check that. Yeah, there's a difference between a, a preacher and a pastor, uh, for sure. Uh, uh, let's see, I'm looking at these others, Jacob, some of these other emails to see if we've got any others who... Uh, uh, let's see. Yeah, here, uh, notice Stephen in, in Pennsylvania says, on the top of my list of the wrong things that people look for in a church would be one that suits their sinful lives. As long as others condone their sinful behavior, these individuals are happy. If this was the case, then I'd question if the church they really attended was a, a true church. So he also sees that as a potential problem. People wanting to, to they're looking for a church that tells them what they already want to hear. Basically, a church that won't condemn the sins that they're involved that in. That is the come-as-you-are mentality that Anthony mentioned, is that uh, I'm okay, you're okay, we'll just all get together and we'll make each other feel good. We won't worry about what God wants us to do. We won't worry about taking those ugly, sinful things out of our life that are uh, not appealing to God. We'll just accept everybody for how they are, and we won't expect anybody to change. 
people would really be shocked a lot of times if they attended a church and they they heard things like homosexuality and fornication and adultery that were openly condemned, immodest dress, mixed swimming, social drinking, smoking, viewing dirty movies and TV shows. If if they heard those kind of things condemned from a pulpit, that would not be what they were looking for, and they'd be shocked to hear that. But actually, uh, I, I hope that we'll always be doing that sort of thing because that's what we find was the was the norm in churches of the first century. For instance, look in First Corinthians chapter six at the at the very plain and blunt statement of the apostle Paul. First Corinthians chapter six verse nine. He said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty plain preaching, but that was typical of the churches of the first century, and that's the kind of preaching that we need. Now, people not necessarily looking for that, and some of that even has become politically in, uh, un, uh, incorrect uh, in our day and time. But it's what we've got to do, and some will not tolerate it, but we can't help that. Uh, we've got to preach the truth. All right. Um, when we talk about exposing sin for what it is, Dad, condemning sin and preaching against sin, a lot of people have a bad impression of that as in that we're going to get ugly with people, that we're going to uh, really be over the top. Be and, hateful or unloving. Yeah, exactly. But uh, the Bible tells us just the opposite. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, we're to restore uh, those who go in error uh, away, straight away with a spirit of meekness. Uh, Jesus was meek. We're to use uh, meekness in our teaching as well, but we do have to condemn sin. We can't overlook and gloss over it. There's a, there, there's a difference between overlooking sin and not talking about it or ignoring it. There's a difference between that and, on the other hand, lovingly, teaching what God says about these things and encouraging people to obey his instruction. Paul warned about the fact that people would not be interested in this sort of thing. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning verse 2, he says to Timothy, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. So Paul, I think, very accurately predicted the kind of thing that we see manifested in the religious world today. People not interested in sound doctrine. They won't endure it. They don't want it. Uh, But Timothy was encouraged to preach the word. I think the expression here in the King James Version where it says, be instant in season and out of season, I think we could paraphrase that pretty accurately to say, preach it when they like it and preach it when they don't. We've got to preach the sound doctrine of the Word of God. And, and that sound doctrine is going to condemn uh, the sins uh, that many want to have endorsed, but we can't endorse it. We've got to speak out against it. And so I think that uh, the emails we're getting, Patrick, uh, for one, and these others also, are in agreement that it's a wrong priority for people to be looking for a church that will tell them what they want to hear and condone them as they continue in sinful activities. All right. What are your thoughts? 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. I see some recurring themes here in the emails as well. Randy says that uh, people look for programs that seem appealing. Uh, Jim and Sue in Mount Pleasant say that people look for young people's programs, assuming the church is responsible for teaching their children, God's will. Um, and so there's a theme here, Dad, as well, that uh, people are looking for special programs 
Not necessarily anything wrong with classes for children, but uh, explain what some of the objection might be to those programs. Well, I, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what everybody has in mind here when they mention programs. The programs that I'm thinking that they probably have reference to are programs that target the young people activities, you know, special Special things tied in with the idea of entertainment. More, more the idea of entertainment. I think. I, I don't think that they probably are targeting the idea of having classes that are geared to certain age groups. I, I don't think we would have any objection to that at all. But I, I believe they're probably focusing on this idea of entertainment, special kinds of things to appeal to the the secular or carnal interest of young people. My, that's my guess. Got a got a. Uh, how about this, Jacob? We got an instant message from Preston down in Valdosta, Georgia. And Preston says uh, people want to get their ears scratched, Second Timothy 4, verse 3, uh, which is the passage we were just uh, referencing. People don't want to hear sound doctrine. He says people also want to be entertained. And, they, and, and then he mentions one more thing. They want to go where everyone else is going. Uh, they, want to, they want to be a part of a popular movement. I think that's a... I think that's a pretty uh, good observation on Preston's part. People are looking for what's popular. Of course, what makes uh, uh, certain religious groups popular is that they are offering carnal enticements to get people to come. But but uh, Preston goes on to, to say in Matthew 7, verse 13, Jesus taught, Enter at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Jesus taught that... You can't follow the majority and be going the right way. The majority is not going to be saved. The minority is going to be saved. So I think Preston makes a good observation there. People make uh, uh, a wrong choice by going with that which is popular, that that which uh, draws the large numbers of people. You know, some churches have now what they refer to, or some, some cities have now what they refer to as mega churches, where thousands upon thousands of people might be in attendance on any given Sunday. And some are very enticed by that. Well, Jim and Sue um, noticed that some people do that as well. People look for a big group, assuming that the size of the congregation is important. Uh, they say for some it means it will be easier to be overlooked and to not get involved. Uh, Stephen in Pennsylvania says that um, a relatively large church where pe- they may go and uh, if they don't attend regularly or slip through the cracks by not participating in the duties of the church, uh, they won't be noticed. And so uh, Stephen notices that as well. Um, in Acts chapter 8, we read about the evangelist Philip going to the city of Samaria and preaching the gospel of Christ for the very first time. But when he got there, they were already engaged in religious activity. There was a fellow by the name of Simon. We often refer to him as Simon the sorcerer. He had used sorcery to bewitch the people, um, it says in Acts chapter 8 and verse 11. <clears throat> but notice it says in Acts chapter 8 verse 10, to whom they all gave heed from the from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. Emphasis there on the fact that they all gave heed to this man. It was a very popular movement in the city of Samaria. It was the thing to do. It was where everybody was going. They were going to the church of Simon the sorcerer. They were following him religiously, and they were absolutely wrong in that. And so there's one specific example of where large numbers, uh, lots of people attending uh, to that sort of thing, and they were wrong. And I would say that we should be particularly careful about making a priority large numbers. All right. A listener in Arkansas adds this to the list of things that people look for that they shouldn't. They look to the worship music 
with or without instrumental accompaniment, and entertaining dramatic skits and events that often involve the church providing something for us to enjoy. Really, if one went back to the first century for our worship style, it would not include any of the above. And so uh, this listener notes that uh, people are looking for that uh, worship experience, I guess, that moves them rather than God. You know, if you observe any of that, and, I, and I've, I've, I've seen a little of that, not a lot. I have to admit I have not. I've not been personally exposed to a lot of that, but what little bit that I have seen and and noted, it's pretty it's pretty thrilling to the senses. You know, they get a rock band going there and playing music loud, and it, they do a good job with that. I mean, just just for entertainment effect and just the music, just the the quality of the production, so to speak. It's, it's a high quality, you know, stage show if you want to have it. Uh, and some people are looking for that. The music has to be thrilling, exciting. You know, it has to be upbeat and positive. Some people are really looking for that. But uh-huh. that's that's not again. I want I want to challenge our listeners to think about the Apostle Paul and try to picture him on a stage with a rock band roaring behind him, uh, and the, and the audience all swaying to the music and say. Is that the picture that you get of the first century church? Is that the way the churches of the first century, when they were operating? Now, here's the key. They were operating under the direct guidance of inspired apostles and prophets and teachers. Were they doing that? And the answer is is an emphatic no. They obviously were not doing that. Now, if, if under the leadership of those inspired apostles, prophets, and teachers, they were not doing that, why would we think that'd be the thing for us to do? Exactly right. That I watched on the Internet uh, a recording of a worship uh, program at a church, and I would say the church probably was around 200 in attendance. And this, like you said, it had the stage. It was an elaborate uh, musical production, and they were singing, and they were they were talented musically. And there were five or six cameras that were panning around the, the, the auditorium there, and really a, a very impressive uh, production. And the people who were in the assembly, Dad, were moved during that program. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but aren't isn't our worship experience to edify us? So how do we how do we get the two to line up? We're to worship God like God wants us to worship, but at the same time we're to edify ourselves. So how do the two line up? Well, I think there's a difference between legitimate edification and emotionalism. Edification means to be built up. In other words, you end up being stronger and you have gained spiritually in the process. You're, you're a, a stronger person and you are on, on a stronger spiritual footing than you were before you received that edification. So the Bible teaches that we, all things, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, all things should be done unto edifying. But there's a difference between that and raw emotionalism, feel goodism. The fact that I feel good does not mean that I end up at the end of the process being a stronger spiritual person for the for the for what happened. You can feel good and be completely misled and mistaken. So emotionalism is, I think we, and again, please understand, we're not saying that we should not be emotional about the service we give to the Lord, but emotionalism per se is not the test. All right, and. We would have to also say that in the end, if we've done it without the authority of God's word, then we've done it without faith. And how can we really be edified, Dad, if we're not doing something by faith? We're not doing it by the authority of God's word. So how in the end can we truly be edified 
if we're not doing it like God wants us to do. I don't think you can. And you're not you're not being built up in the right things if you're not basing it on the word of God. All right. We're gonna take a break. If you're just joining us, we're talking about how to choose a church. And if you haven't joined in the program yet, let us know your thoughts. How should we be choosing a church? I think we're ready to go on to the positive side of that on the other side of the break. Things that we should be looking for in a church. If you haven't joined in yet, let us know your thoughts. Use the phone tonight. Give us a call at 877-381-4567. Or if you don't want to use your phone, send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. Stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this week's Bullet Point. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. That's just the preacher, and that's just his opinion. With these words, the sermon that has just been delivered is dismissed and the lesson is ignored. Everything the preacher has taught is wiped away with the stroke of a very broad brush. It's just his opinion. Don't worry about it. Do preachers have opinions? Of course they do. Like everyone else, they have opinions about politics, sports, the weather, and a hundred other subjects. They also have opinions about the important judgments that we must make in our personal lives and in our congregational work. In this, they are no different than any other Christian. Do preachers express their opinions? Of course they do. Like most other people, preachers will tell you what they think about subjects that are of interest to them, and spiritual subjects are very important to them. Thus, they are prone to state their views on issues that relate to serving God. There is nothing wrong with a preacher or any other Christian expressing an opinion. When they do, you may choose to agree or disagree. Typically, preachers have based their judgment upon sound principles and years of practical experience. Their opinions, therefore, should carry some weight to those who are concerned about following the best course in matters of expediency. But their opinions are just that opinions and they do not carry the force of divine law you are invited to totally disregard them if it is only their opinion but be careful here preachers are also proclaiming god's commandments and these must be obeyed if the preacher has demonstrated by book chapter and verse that what he is saying is the will of god and not just his own personal opinion you cannot just overlook it by claiming that's his opinion if he has shown the authority of scriptures for what he is teaching then it is not opinion it is law and it must be obeyed if you fail to do so you're ignoring god not the preacher as paul said quote he who rejects this is not rejecting man but god first thessalonians 4 verse 8 that's this week's bullet point think about it i'm james Buchanan from columbia tennessee and i love to listen to the virtual bible study quit checking your email the commercials are over and the virtual bible study is ready to roll take it away guys and welcome back thank you again for your, your participation in the program tonight by listening and also for your comments. We'll thank you in advance. If you haven't already joined in, please do so on the phone or over email tonight. As we talk about things that we should be looking for in a church, Dad, a, a plethora of things that we should not be looking for in the church. Well, we've kind of been emphasizing the negative side so far, and, and we do want to get to the positive. But I wanted to mention one more I saw here in one of these emails from this uh, listener in Arkansas uh, who mentioned it's a mistake when people look are looking exclusively for a friendly church or one that gives them personal acceptance you know it's really nice to be in a friendly church and i've been a member and of churches should be friendly and churches should be friendly and i've been blessed to be a member of, of churches and am now a member of a friendly church and i'm very grateful for that but you know that's not the test either whether the church is friendly or not if the church was if if in this community the 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 church that was following God's will faithfully was not particularly outwardly friendly and and the people were not just overtly friendly to others 
it'd still might be my duty to do what's right, even if I didn't get that warm feeling of friendliness from the other members of, of the congregation. Now, I think that'd be something that should be addressed and corrected, but that should not be the priority when I'm looking for a church. Well, a church should be friendly, but friendly churches aren't necessarily right with God. I think that'd be the way. That, to I put think it. that's a good way to put it. But you know, I think friendliness is very much in the eye of the beholder. I think every congregation that I've ever been a member of, I have felt that they were very friendly, but I've heard people criticize them as being unfriendly. But I think that has a lot to do with the person. The, you know, it's, it's, it's in the book of Proverbs, Solomon said, if a man will have friends, he must show himself friendly. If, you, if you're not going to give people a chance, they probably can't be friendly to you. Uh, you're not allowing it to be so. And this listener mis- mentions acceptance. And I think that uh, the reference here may be towards uh, that of unity. We need to have unity. We need to be uh, we need to be accepting of one another. We need to be unified. But again, a church should have unity, but a unified church doesn't mean that the church is right. Jesus wants us to be unified, but we have to be unified on his word. And uh, so, again, just because the church may have unity or have acceptance, that doesn't mean that the church is right. Thank you. I want to read one more uh, comment here from Patrick, who said some are looking for, uh, he says, let, let me read this. He, this. Again, he says this is a wrong priority in what you look for in a church. He says, while the church has a role in helping people, some people look for a church based solely on what they can get out of it, such as child care or counseling or financial support, rather than looking for a church that offers opportunities to serve others. In other words, some people are looking for a church where they can be served instead of one where they can serve. I think that's really a good observation. We should be looking for a place where we can serve, not be served, but rather we can be of service. That's what we should be looking for. Thank you for those comments, Patrick. All right. Well, are you ready to get out of the negative and get on to the positive? Yeah, we probably should go positive here. I think that's important. All right. We need to know what we should be looking for in a church. And so let's look at our listeners' feedback on that. Jake says, number one on his list, sound biblical teaching. And that's, that, that theme is consistent throughout all of our responses, Jacob. I think we're going to see that. Randy says doctrinal soundness and sound application of that doctrine. Exactly right. Um we got one. For, I want to. He also save mentions it. high regard for the authority of the scripture. So those would be uh, basically synonymous. Uh, two things that we ought to be looking for there. Jim and Sue in Mount Pleasant say sound Bible teaching. A thus saith the Lord for all that is done. And I think that's important. That's one of the things that we were trying to stress on that bullet point a minute ago, Jacob. A preacher can express his opinion. We all have opinions, and anybody can express their opinion. But if it's solely the preacher's opinion, then it doesn't carry any weight. He can express his opinion, but you don't have to follow his opinion. Your opinion is as good as his. But if there is a thus saith the Lord and a book, chapter, and verse behind what the preacher is saying, then that carries weight and you have to follow it. Stephen in Pennsylvania says what people should be looking for in church is a biblically accurate church. Don't be afraid to ask questions about marriage, divorce, or remarriage, how they deal with a brother that is lost, if they hold church-sponsored activities, and anything else you can think of. So he thinks that it should be biblically sound. And so, and so I think he's exactly right. That's what we ought to be looking for. This listener in Arkansas has written and said, a concentrated Bible study and teaching of the truth. We, we ought to be looking. Have you been, uh, I'm, I'm speaking to you who are listening out there on the internet tonight. Have you been to a, uh, a church and you found out that there was almost no emphasis on the Word of God at all? I, I, I have heard of preachers who may make just passing reference to one or two scriptures in the course of a whole sermon. Are, are you going to a place? Have you been attending a place 
where the, where there is that little emphasis on the word of God that they just make passing reference to a scripture now and then, maybe just one or two passages mentioned in a whole sermon. If that's the case, then you are not in a place where you need to be. There's not enough emphasis on the word. The emphasis needs to be on the word, and you need to be looking for a church where that is the the, the foundation of of what's happening is based upon the word. Well, and I think if you look at that church, you'll see lots of other errors as well. If the Bible is not being proclaimed and the teaching is not biblically sound, you'll find lots of error in the lives of the members and in the church as well. In John chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And so without a steady diet of the truth, Dad, then there will not be sanctification in among those who are listening to those messages. That's right. And, and that's why it's so important that you be looking for that. I think that is exactly right. Uh, Patrick adds, the truth should be taught, not some watered-down, feel-good, fluffy teaching without any real substance. I like the way he put that. Um, and uh, Preston says, a church that honestly looks for truth and applies it. Philippians 2.12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So Preston uh, agrees that we need to be looking for that. So how would you do that, Jacob? If you were going, if you were in a new community and you're looking for a church, or maybe you're a person who just hasn't been attending uh, uh, religious services with any regularity at all, but you know that you need to be doing that. If that was your situation, how would you... How would you go about searching for a church that makes its emphasis the Word of God, sound biblical teaching? How do I do that? You're asking me? Yeah. Well, you'd have to compare what's being taught with what the Bible uh, says, and uh, you'd have to have a a good understanding of biblical truth uh, when you began the process. Well, but let's say that I'm a person who doesn't have a a, a real background in Bible study. I'm not. I am admittedly not a good Bible student, but I know that that's important. What am I going to do? I think the key there might be what Stephen said in his email. Ask questions. Ask every question that comes to your mind and see if the answers that you're being given are coming from the Word of God. I think that would be the key. In other words, we're not expecting everybody to be a biblical scholar. And then based upon your own biblical scholarship, you go out here and analyze these different religious groups and you make your choice based upon what you know. And you're able to to compare what they're teaching and doing to what you already know. You may not already know enough. I think Stephen's got the key there when he says ask questions. And then on the basis of asking those questions, you'll be able to see if you're getting your answers out of the Word of God. Are they are they coming back to you with the information based upon the Scriptures? Or as Jim and Mount Pleasant said, a thus saith the Lord. Are they giving you thus saith the Lord versus just their own opinions? That would be key. All right. If you haven't joined in, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. So we need the sound biblical teaching. Then there's some other comments here, Dad, that go along with it. The application of that biblical teaching to uh, the work of the church. Uh, Jake says that uh, we should be looking for um, something that is proper, that is biblical values in everything from the way people dress to the way they act, speak, etc. And he also notes that a church should be active in ways that the Bible teaches us to be. So we talk about that strong uh, biblical-centered teaching, Dad, then the teaching has to be strong, but the application has to be there as well. That's right. Uh, Randy says uh, uh, emphasis on evangelism uh, uh, and missions. So in other words, are, are, is the church working 
based upon what the, the authority found in the word, based upon the teaching, the sound biblical teaching, are they putting it into application? I think that's a, a pretty good thing. Jacob, I thought Anthony had a great insight, too. And this would be the idea of putting into application what what they're learning uh, from, from the biblical teaching. Yeah, I did. I liked Anthony's uh, ideas as well. Anthony says, this list could get rather lengthy, so I'll refrain from stating the obvious, that is, sound preaching, biblical worship, etc. This may sound odd, but I think one of the most important things to scrutinize is attendance numbers. Specifically, what percentage of the Sunday morning worship crowd comes back for Sunday evening and Wednesday evening? A strong church that is filled with dedicated, sincere Christians will have attendance numbers that are very near identical for every service. You can be pretty certain that members of such a congregation take their Christian lives very seriously and are not just part-time Christians. There may there are many other things that can be said, but I think just looking at the numbers can tell you a great deal about a church. It's not the only thing to consider, but if the numbers don't look good, I wouldn't even consider the place. And so Anthony is saying you can see whether they're putting into practice what they've been teach what they've been teaching and what they've been taught by seeing just just looking at something very obvious like do people come to the worship assemblies faithfully and if they don't then that's a church that's not very effective in putting into practice what they've been taught all right let's take a break and we'll come back we'll continue with these thoughts again if you haven't joined in we hope you will give us a call or send us an email we're looking forward to hearing from you don't go anywhere we'll go to the top of the hour right after this did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Hello, my name is Kent Bumgarner. My family and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Please join us. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We do appreciate you being a part of it. And we want to talk about, again, as we're talking about what we should be looking for in church, we want to talk about this because it is important. We want to be a part of a church that is pleasing to God. And being pleasing to God, Dad, will by default be edifying to us. And that's how that's we that's exactly how right. we can be edified is by being part of a group that is pleasing to God. Exactly right. Um, Randy had one other point in what he was looking for that I, I definitely wanted to mention. He said, look for a biblical church government with the local church in submission to Christ and members in submission to the leaders. That would be a, a good, obvious thing to look for. If this if this religious group has some hierarchy of church government that's bigger than a local, autonomous, independent congregation, then that's not biblical. You could you could you could exclude that church pretty quickly because they're pursuing some form of church government that's not found in the Word of God. So um, I think that uh, that's a, a, a sort of an astute observation. Something pretty quick that we could go to and say well, that church is a part of some synod or some 
uh, uh, archdiocese or whatever. That's that's an, that's an obvious thing, is what yeah. you're saying. There may yeah. be some biblical teachings that they hold that aren't quite as apparent, but you can look yeah. very clearly at uh, their organization and say, does it go with by what the scriptures teach? And if it doesn't, then out. All right. All right. 877-381-4567 is the number to call, and that's the number that a relocated listener has dialed tonight. We have Jack on the line. Jack is now from Columbia, Tennessee. Hello, Jack. Welcome to the program. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. How are you all doing? We're doing good. Great. I uh, just wanted to make an observation. When I read Mark chapter 1, verses 33 through 38, uh, it appeared there to me that Jesus was demonstrating that preaching the truth appeared to be more important than healing the sick or appealing to the flesh. Uh, he wanted to get about his father's business and, and to preach, and I think that's a very important characteristic of any sound church is that we're looking to uh, focus on preaching and evangelizing and, and, and as opposed to what's important to the flesh or what what's more important to man. Just an observation. I think you're right, Jack. It seems like people, it's the difference between a carnal outlook and a spiritual outlook, and Unfortunately, a lot of people are carnally motivated to to seek what serves the flesh rather than what benefits the spirit. Right. And and Jack, don't you think it is uh, shows our attitude towards God's word when we put less focus on it and we put more focus on those things that are physical? What we're saying in effect is God's word is not what people need. What they really need are physical things. Yes, and and it's unfortunate that a lot of congregations that I've I've seen, and, and friends, that I have very close friends who uh, attend different uh, denominations, they, they speak a lot about the social aspect or the, the things that the congregation uh, gives to them as opposed to being focused on uh, going out and, and teaching and being focused more on what God's Word says. Um, and that's it's sad, but that's very prevalent in my observations. We appreciate that, Jack. Uh, you got is your computer. You had you had computer troubles recently. Is your computer working good and catching the stream tonight? Uh, yes, uh, I had to. Uh, this is no uh, bad slam on Max, but I had to jump over to my uh, uh, other platform. What about that? <laughs> yeah, what about that? You had to go Windows instead I had of to Mac. Go Windows. Yes. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we're Pre- glad you got us tonight. All right, I am too. Appreciate your comments, gentlemen. Thank you, Jack. All right. Well, we the phone is open now for you. Dial in and let us know your thoughts as you look for a church. What are things that are important to you? 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. And Jim and Mount Pleasant, Jim and Sue in Mount Pleasant say that uh, as we look for a church that we want to be a part of, we should look for a friendly, concerned brethren whose lives demonstrate what they believe. Now, Dad, we talked about earlier that a friendly church is not necessarily a scriptural church that we want to be a part of. But we should be looking for brethren who are putting into those friendly and concerned principles that the Bible teaches. That's right. If 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 Christians are putting into application what they're being taught in the Word of God, they're going to turn out being friendly. And, and their personality and, may not be outgoing, and we don't have to be outgoing to be pleasing to God, but we should be concerned about our brethren. That's right. We're going to have that mutual concern for one another. And as you said, Jacob, that doesn't mean necessarily we're just... Uh, hyperactive and bubbly and life of the party, but it does mean that we would have a genuine love and concern. You know, Jesus said that this would be the sign of our discipleship, that we have love one for another. And that that uh, definitely would be characteristic of, of a church that is what it ought to be, that we would, that we would be manifesting that love one for another. Jesus um, said in John chapter 15, Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. 
And so that would be a part of being the kind of church that the Lord wants us to and, be. And, you know, I think that's a problem in the, the the world that we live in today. We have so many pleasures and so many uh, concerns on in our own individual lives. Back in the first century, they were difficult times, Dad, and that caused them to be concerned one for another. Nowadays, we go home, we shut ourselves in our house, in our comfortable home, where we have everything that we need, and there's no reason to look outside our home to consider our brethren what their needs might be. Exactly right. Um, our, our listener from Arkansas agrees on that point, says, the following is what I'd look for, friendliness and equality of all social classes, races, wealth, status, etc., Groups at the gatherings where everyday issues that are encountered in a Christian's life can be discussed and attended to and and encouragement offered. She says she doesn't see much of that. Um, uh, Then Patrick adds, uh, you should be able to, he asked the question, can you tell, this is what you should be looking for. He says, can you tell that there is genuinely love among the members? If it's obvious that there's a pervasive problem with gossip or arguing among the congregation, I would recommend running away from that church. Good point. You know, these are interesting points. These are things that we all have a part to play in. Uh, if if we want people to be a part of the church that we're a part of because we think it's important that they be a part of our group, that it can help them be pleased to God and get to heaven, then we need to make sure that we're living our lives in a way that they could look to us and say, that is a church that is following God and is following the biblical principles I can read about in the Bible because of the way that they're living their lives. Exactly right. Um, I thought I got, I got one additional point here from Stephen's email. We, we've referenced him a couple times already, but he said he would want to look for a small church that needs our help to expand the borders of God's kingdom. One that will challenge our Christian lives. That's kind of interesting. I mean, I don't think that's the absolute test. Now he's saying that's something that he wants to make as as a priority for him, and I think it's a worthy thing. Now, I think you can serve God faithfully in large churches and small. I think both both kinds have their pluses and their minuses. The first congregation of God's people was a very large church. The church in Jerusalem on the very first day that it that it came into existence had over 3,000 members in it. So certainly there were large congregations. I think there were small ones in, in New Testament times that met in private homes. There's no doubt about that. So there's the the numbers are, are, are at ex, all extremes of the spectrum there. Stephen says he, he'd like to look for a group, a small group that he can help as they try to expand the borders of, of, of the kingdom. That's a worthy thing. But I would not say that you could... You could make a hard and fast rule about size as to where the size is, is, you know, in other words, big is good, small is bad, or vice versa. Yeah, sometimes we are hesitant, Dad. If there's a large congregation, we immediately think, well, what are they doing wrong? You know, are they doing some type of entertainment or uh, some type of activity? Are they soft on their doctrinal teachings? Just because a congregation is big doesn't mean that it's not what God would have it to be. Um, and vice versa. But some people see a small church and say, well, why are they so small? Certainly. Uh, that uh, you've probably heard this argument, Dad. If they're if they're the church that God wants to be, why are they so small? Well, some some in the New Testament were very small, and yet they were what God wanted. God doesn't judge by numbers. They were meeting in people's houses, and their houses back in those days weren't uh, elaborate mansions. So yeah. they certainly would have been a small congregation. We got another note from one of our listeners: a willingness to discipline as well as love. We were just talking about love. But this listener says a willingness to discipline as well as love. You know, that's not a pleasant thing. Those but it, are not mutually exclusive. Exactly right. They, 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 they go together. If we love someone, 
and they have become unfaithful, then we'll love them enough to engage in in uh, necessary spiritual discipline towards such a person. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul spoke of a man who had become unfaithful uh, and, and engaged in immoral activities. And he says uh, in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 4, In the name of our Lord Jesus, when ye are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. In in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, at verse 14, he said, If any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed, yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. So really, love that we were just talking about, a church should demonstrate or manifest love. That love will go to the point of exercising discipline if necessary, we love the person enough that we'll even do the unpleasant task of disciplining a, uh, an unfaithful member. All right. We have time to take your comments if you hurry. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. I think as already been mentioned, Dad, Jim and Sue mentioned that we should look for a congregation that's busy in evangelism. And that has to be a priority with the church, and it has to be a priority with every member within the church. Uh, Jesus told uh, the disciples that they should go teach and baptize and teach the people that they baptize the things that they had been taught, which included evangelism, and we need to be involved in evangelism as well. Yeah, uh, uh, Patrick mentions um, the church should be active doing something. Christianity isn't just about avoiding sin. Dead people can do that. And it's not just about going to church. He says swimming in a pond doesn't make you a duck. Uh, like Jesus, Christians ought to do good and actively make an effort to do so. So being active, being a working church, in other words, not just a church that's holding its own or just, you know, keeping the doors open, so to speak, but act, actively working, doing their very best to bring honor and glory to God as we serve him in the local congregation. And you're saying that can be done as a, gr- as a group and also on the individual level. Exactly right. All right. Uh, so we need to remember that. Um, then our Arkansas listener tonight says, uh, uh, a couple of things here, and I'm not exactly sure I get the import of all this, Jacob, but it says, I think each and every church should have prayer meetings on a regular basis where those that are discouraged by sin, weakness, health, family, work, school, et cetera, their concerns, they can come together and talk and pray about these problems, uh, Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 is a is a passage that comes to mind where the apostle Paul said bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ so certainly there ought to be a mutual caring and concern praying for one another being able to express our concerns to one another and getting that kind of assistance would be a very valuable thing to look for in a church and then this listener also mentions another thing I'd look for is happy joyous worship music uh, I'm not sure about that. She she goes on to explain, I would expect the song leader to say a few words before jumping right into the next song, something about why we're singing this or some explanation as some of the old hymns are like the King James Bible, a bit hard for the younger set to understand. Um, I, and I think from her earlier convert, uh, comment, she's not looking for music that's entertaining. She's not looking for instrumental music. She's looking for music like we'd read about in the New Testament, and that should be joyous because we should be singing uh, in the spirit and with the understanding. 
All right. Well, are we going to call it quits on the comments tonight? I think so. We got a lot of good comments. A lot of people obviously put some serious thought into this. And I'm, I'm impressed, Jacob, that we pretty much had unanimous agreement across the board as to what should not be your priority in looking for a church and, on the other hand, what you ought to be looking for. So interesting thoughts tonight. All right. Now the question for us to ask ourselves is, are we a part of those churches that we should be looking for? Are we a part of a church like that has the characteristics that we mentioned tonight? Are we part of a church that is trying to be like the church in the Bible, that is teaching what the Bible teaches and only teaching what the Bible teaches, following the biblical pattern for its work, its organization, and its worship? If we're not a part of those, that kind of congregation, Dad, we need to change and we need to look for a congregation. Yeah, if that you're, meets if, those if in, in, as you thought about the kind of things we were discussing tonight, if you realized that the church you're a member of is not like that, then you need to get out of that and be looking for a proper one that that follows the scriptures as we've tried to describe it in in, in our study tonight. Got one more email came in a little bit late. Mike in Cullioka, Tennessee, he says, look for a church that's not afraid to teach about sin or to take a stand against even a member who's living in sin. In other words, again, emphasis on the word, standing squarely upon the word of God. All right. We do appreciate the conversation tonight, Dad. We've got an interesting program coming up, hopefully in a couple weeks. We may not advertise that yet. Uh, we're still working on getting that set up. Well, we can go ahead and mention that we are trying to line up an interview with Perry Cotham. He's recently written a book called One World, Many Neighbors. Uh, and he's suggesting maybe we ought to be a little more open to accepting even people coming from different religions, not even just necessarily Christianity. Uh, we're going to talk to him about that and have to challenge him a little bit about what he's thinking. All right. We hope you'll be staying tuned for that, hopefully not next week, but the week after. If you have any comments about the things that you've heard on the program tonight and would like to discuss them with us further, we would enjoy having the opportunity to have a discussion with you over the e- over email, over the phone, or if we can arrange it even in person. We'd like to talk with you if you disagree with us about anything you may have heard on this program or any previous virtual Bible study. We hope you benefited from our study tonight, and we hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the virtual Bible study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired words, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.